I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. Do you want to play a game? Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. Yes! I'm your number one fan. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? We have such sights to show you. Welcome to the Morgue, episode 2, the official podcast of CorpseFeed.com and all that falls under the CorpseFeed umbrella. You got the socials, you got Instagram, you got Facebook. You got Twitter. Uh, Twitter, I am Corpse Feed Blog. Some motherfucker had Corpse Feed already. Um, so good job on that guy. But uh, with me um, on this journey of fucking horror and all brutality is my uh, awesome producer, Nick Valdez of comicbook.com. Uh, howdy, everybody. Thanks for having me, Arturo. Thanks for doing this, man. We'll get right the fuck into it, man. This is uh, Killer Dolls Month. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Chucky in theaters, we have Annabelle in theaters, and everyone is going crazy about killer dolls, and diabolical dolls, and evil dolls. We even have Toy Story 4 this week. <laughs> yeah, um, like, speaking a of toys bit, coming to life, right? <laughs> yeah, a little bit outside the morgue, but you know, quality <laughs> fucking movie. Um, but uh, we really want to focus right now on the one and only Chucky. At Caslon's. Happiness is about more than entertainment. It's about being known, understood, loved, loved. Introducing your new best friend. Are we having fun now? The best friend. Something's wrong with Chucky. Best friend. Andy, if you know something, you better tell me. Best, best friend. Sweetie, Chucky is a toy. Child's Play. Rated R. Uh, Child's Play came out last week, and it wasn't very good. Nope. Not very good at all. I'm actually going to talk about Chucky, the doll, Child's Play, the original Child's Play, mm-hmm. and the actual remake on a little bit. And uh, first and foremost, it's that design of Chucky that really kind of grosses me out. In terms of the design, I don't know what they were thinking. Like, yeah, it, it just... Static. It doesn't look like it doesn't look like something people would buy, you know. Yes. Like, like they in the movie, there's a lot of demand for it. There's a second version coming out. Like it's the toy of like this, basically like this Apple company. It's yeah. fucking Turbo Man. Yeah. <laughs> for the 2019 generation over here. Yeah, but it doesn't make any sense because it's ugly. You know. Yeah, and- it, it's an ugly toy. <laughs> and from what I know, a lot of people stray away from ugly toys, especially this day and age, because of the original Child's Play. Right. <laughs> and the crazy buddy doll, and the good guy doll, I should say, that was out in the 80s. But also, we have a little bit of a weird technology addition to it, where it acts like an Alexa, where it would mm-hmm. control everything from this certain manufacturer, whether it's TVs, speakers, computers, whatever it is that these people make. 
this Chucky doll is supposed to control all of them. And it's fucking weird, dude. It is it's weird. weird. I feel like it, it would have been a good movie if it wasn't Child's Play, if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, like maybe absolutely. maybe the toy is like this toy robot that controls all the stuff. And it's basically like a mini Skynet. And then you got a toy robot killing stuff. But then they slap like Child's Play sticker on it. So it's like, it has to be this ugly looking Chucky. So it's different. Right? But then it's like, I, I do like the animatronics on it, though. Not gonna lie. Yes. That's one thing that I did state in my review, is that I do lo- I do like the fact that they already have movement on the Chucky doll. Mm-hmm. Like, the Chucky doll moves, it talks, it moves by itself, so you kind of take away the whole excuse of, oh, it's a doll, it's not supposed to be moving. How can you say that, Andy? You're crazy. This thing doesn't move. But already off the bat, you see it move. You see it walk around, which is kind of creepy at first because it does look like a little baby (laughs) walking around. And it kind of creeps you out. Like, there is a certain creep factor to it that at times they do explore in the movie and they do kind of focus on that creep factor a little bit. Mm -hmm. But then because of the overall design of the toy and because the toy is in this modern uh, age, mm-hmm. it kind of doesn't hit well. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's like, um, it, it looks too goofy. Like, it's like, it's already off the bat. Like, it's ridiculous, you know? Yes. And, and like, it's got like a giant head. And yes, the head is fucking massive, dude. And, <laughs> yeah. and you would think it would show in the movie, like, oh, the head is massive because it has... CPU inside. Yeah, I thought it'd be like a robot brain, but no, it's got no. like a like oh, full spoilers by the way. Yeah, yeah we're just we're getting spoiler. into it. But uh the the core is like in its stomach and yes. yeah. It's like an Iron Man kind of design where it has <laughs> battery pretty much you know right on its chest. Yeah. Um, the head doesn't have anything to do with it, but you know what's fucking funny? I at my uh research of finding a good picture for the review, mm-hmm. I noticed that the head does have some kind of like perforation on it that it looks like you can open it up and stuff like that oh. but they never really kind of did that it would have been cool if the face kind of came off and it showed like a robotic face to it yeah you know? a lot of a lot of missed opportunities it feels like too like i, I guess maybe they're holding back for part two but it, oh. it's i hope that's not i hope that's not yeah, because it's like, you know, they do a lot of the Alexa kills, but then they don't go all the way with it. They start, you know, doing the whole, like, he's holding out his E.T. finger, you know, remote controlling things. When I have it, tons of problems with that. <laughs> <laughs> tons when, of issues with that. When, I mean, like, you could, you could get that across by just, like, having his eyes glow red and then all the Alexa stuff kicking in. You know, I thought, yeah. I thought we were getting that, like, like Final Destination ass, like, Rube Goldberg type deaths yeah no we don't not at all actually first and foremost like let's also talk about the fact that it's wearing 80s clothes like overall <laughs> like like why why is yeah. it all wearing shit the 80s and then on top of that it's called a buddy doll with an eye like an iphone or an ipad kind of shit so oh i, I didn't catch that, that. that that's know? good that's... yeah and it's uh like why a buddy doll like i it Nothing makes sense <laughs> in terms of them actually releasing a doll. Like, why are you releasing this doll, which you can easily, you know, come out with some kind of tablet or something. Right. Or a smartphone type thing to actually execute all these things you want to execute. But you release a fucking doll, and then apparently it's like the craze 
which it doesn't yeah. come off as a craze either. You don't see this doll being advertised everywhere. Like you only see this doll when it's when it's part of the store. Like usually, if in certain movies, when for example, in Minority Report, right, mm-hmm. when you see a lot of different stuff being pushed at you, like in the future wise, you see advertisements fucking everywhere about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, in, in other movies too, like you see, like for example, in Idiocracy, you see the advertisements for this Gatorade and this drink, whatever it's called. Oh yeah, for Brando. Yeah, and for Brando. You see, it gets pushed at you subliminally throughout the movie. But in this Buddy doll, you only get that first commercial. You get that first push, right? And then after that, you kind of don't see it advertised anywhere else yeah. until like you see the mom at the um where like at the Walmart s kind of store. Yeah, what was that? Uh, hold on, Arturo. I don't mean to derail you here, but what is that store? Like it, it was. It, it's kind it of built. It was definitely Walmart. Well, no, look. But when you look at it, isn't it like dingy? Doesn't it look like it'd be like a Goodwill? <laughs> it looks like a Family Dollar. Yeah. Or a Dollar Tree mixed. No, 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 no. no. Not Dollar Tree. Dollar Tree has a little class to it. A little Family Dollar esque. It's family. It's Family Dollar, dude. Like, with fucking like a Walmart kind of color scheme going on. Yeah, it's but it was legit, so weird. Legit, I can find the same shit at the 99 cent store in the corner. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and, it's the same kind yeah. of store, right? Like, you, yeah. that's what I was like, is this like a big box thing? Like, is it like a, I thought it was supposed to be a Walmart, but I was like, it gave me like family dollar vibes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then, and then the guy, the first guy who tried to return the doll didn't get his refund. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm on, like, wait a minute, guy. You didn't get your refund. Get your fucking money back for that shit. And then, He's like, oh, you know what? Who cares? I'll take this doll back and dude, give it to my kid. Yeah, and then it, like... It, the the fact that her store looks so weird, it made her, like, it made me look at the rest of the stuff. Like, you know how the apartment looks kind of weird, too? Like, kind of run down? And I was yeah. like, I was like, oh, you know, but then it looks nice on the outside? And I was like, how are you affording this? <laughs> but then also, like, it, it gave off a vibe of being, like, a housing project. Yeah! Isn't like, it, oh, wasn't that some, weird? kids outside hanging out and i'm like wait a minute are these kids drug dealers right now or <laughs> that's what i like actual kids that's what i thought the i thought the joke was where she's like oh there's just two kids standing out in the rain and i was like oh okay is that like a drug dealer joke like that's what i thought too but then again <laughs> like totally deviating off what we were talking about this goes to uh this speaks to uh audrey plaza aubrey plaza i should say and her character right like her character at first, when you first get introduced to her, you're like, all right, she's Aubrey Plaza. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and you get that dry sense of humor, the monotone voice and stuff. And you get that feeling like, oh, um, is this Andy's sister? Yeah. Because um, I don't think that's her, his mom. She's too young. And she doesn't really come off as that matriarchal, motherly feeling kind of uh, character. It was straight up Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. Um, I guess trying to be a mom. Yeah, I, like that's why. That's why I thought it was like a like a, a dark comedy that they were trying to do. But you know, because some of the kills, right? But then, then they don't go all the way with like their goofier kills. You know, no, they don't. They you, don't. You they get a tease of it. Yeah, you get like a tease of it, like of how goofy this shit could go. But it, it really doesn't go anywhere. Like it. it 
something something's holding itself back in this movie. Like it feels like there's a good movie like right there, you know? But you know what though? Like honestly, from the very fucking start, it was downhill. Yeah. The, fact, <laughs> the fact that this one disgruntled employee oh, fucked up the program, right? They and changed. That's how this evil Chucky doll got to be evil. It's <laughs> yeah. a fucking flaw, dude. Dude, where's the where's the quality control people in that factory? You're, it seems like you're a multi-billion dollar like electronic company, you know what I mean, who releases appliances and all that kind of shit. So you should have quality control. How is there not like a programming check on these fucking things? I mean, you know? I think that's what the I, – I thought – that's why I thought it was a joke because it's like sweatshop stuff, you Dude, know? it was a legit sweatshop. And I'm like, what kind of sweatshop is legit programming robots? <laughs> yeah, that's why I was so confused, dude. I'm like, only in Asia, I guess, right? Oh, oh my god. Like, I – and that's what – like, that's the other thing too. It didn't tell you where it was. Like, it, like they were, they were speaking the language. So, I mean – I don't mean to be like I don't know, but it's just you, you, you didn't. Yeah, you didn't tell me where it was. And some, it, like sweatshop conditions, a bunch of Asian people working around tables together, yeah, building toys. It's just so weird. And then yeah. <laughs> I got no words. It was fucking weird. Like, Off the bat, I was like, "Wait a minute!" Like, look, I'll take so, I'll take voodoo any day. Like, dude, it, we'll get into that a little bit later as we compare these. <laughs> but just off the bat, okay. So let's all right. Fuck it. Let's start it right now. Let's compare. Let's start the comparison. So right. in 2019, this Chucky becomes evil because of some disgruntled worker mm-hmm. who got bitched on by his boss, and and I'm surprised he even completed that doll. I would be like, you know what? Fuck this shit. Right. I'm gonna fuck up all your chips, and I'm done. And I'm gonna go kill myself off the window. That's true. Um, why wouldn't you like, just make a bunch of chips, right? He decides to do one doll out of the whole <laughs> fucking lineup, which was returned to the store for being <laughs> defective. Right. Right? Let's just put that out there. It was returned to the store by the original person who bought that defective doll. They're like, hey, listen, this doll's fucking, it sucks. The eyes turn red. It's, it's kind of creepy. Right, like, right. Like, he doesn't want it. Return done movie's over we could have saved ourselves fucking an hour and 40 minutes and that was weird off the bat right in the original chucky you get also a little weird shit it starts out with a shootout between a cop and and the guy who actually possesses this buddy doll um mm-hmm. chucky i forgot his fucking name but um somehow he before you get any background story he summons something or casts a spell but you're like how the fuck is this criminal dealing in witchcraft and and black magic and all this shit. And then he puts his soul into this doll. So that's the two major differences in terms of how this Chucky doll gets built up. Right. One of them is an actual soul of a killer. Right. The other one is a bad programming chip. Yeah. That's you know? the like that's the other thing too. Like in, in slasher movies, it's very important that like if you don't care about the people, which we don't, like let's be we honest. Don't. Like we that's why we're not shit. that's why we're not even bothering like talking about it, because it's bad writing, bad character work, and like maybe one good performance out of like the entire cast and And that's later on in the movie too because you're right about the kid yeah like Um, i i didn't like that central kid to like the last like 10 minutes where i feel like oh he finally got into it you know i've been thinking about it because like it seems like all right so in this version of the movie andy is about 13 years old i believe Mm -hmm. just 13 in comparison to his counterpart in the 80s child's play movie where he's about i think 
five or something. Yeah, no, he's a he was a baby. He's a little fucking kid. But Andy and his mom and the new version have moved to a different apartment, a different town. Mm -hmm. You don't really get any specifics, which doesn't help their situation. But he's a little bit of a dickhead at first, you know. Right. Then. But then again, his, you know, his mom seems like it's he doesn't give a shit. So it kind of explains how his attitude is. Yeah, uh, like yeah. that's the other thing too. Like you know, he the the toy was like to fill in the gap that his mom, you know, his he moved and like it's it's basically the same plot of Ma. <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you know, this kid moves to another town and befriends like this thing you don't understand, and then it turns out that thing is like a monster. You know. <laughs> Again, like, if that goes to the flaws of the movie, like, how would a 2019 mother think buying her 13-year-old kid this doll be a solution for him to be more social? Yeah, and then she's got a, like, she's got a boyfriend. And she's got this boyfriend that Who's fun. terrible, uh, yeah. <laughs> when, when did she meet that boyfriend, being that they just got into town? Yeah. According to them, it was recent, like, and this boyfriend, by the way. What a fucking prick. Where the fuck did she meet this guy? Yeah, and then he he's, like, trying to, like, uh, be a... I don't know, he's trying to discipline the son? And I'm like, he's in no way, like, you know... Yeah, he, he was like, hey, if you have a problem with me, you be a man, you tell me straight to my face. Man. And I was like, who are you to tell him this? Yeah. And I'm like, who the fuck are you, dude? Nobody. <laughs> he's nobody. nobody to this kid, bro. Yeah. And then the mom seems to be this white trash deadbeat mom. I think that's the vibe, guy. right? Like, that's why, that's why it's so weird, right? This movie is just weird, because, you know, it's got all this, like, uh, this, honestly, this white trash mom, you know? Yeah. And, this white trash mom, the rundown neighborhood, you know, the the kid's like not a good person, you know, and yeah. the store she works in is dingy. Everything is dingy, and then you have like this super advanced like doll. But it, is it, isn't it Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, it's Chicago, and then you have the super advanced doll, and then that's what I'm saying. It's stuff like that. Just, just I would rather have the voodoo in this one. <laughs> yeah, because in the, in the original child's play find out after the story goes along um after andy's mom starts digging into what the hell's going on and shit right right um he finds out that there's this voodoo guy who was associated with um chucky yeah. uh, the the human counterpart of chucky and this voodoo guy was teaching this guy you know black magic certain spells conjurings different things like that but mm -hmm. it seems like he was teaching him just you know just to teach somebody how to do this stuff for good because when uh, a Chucky sh uh, shows up in his apartment for revenge, right? Mm -hmm. He goes like, oh, no, you've only used this stuff for evil. I should have known and blah, blah, blah. So you get this whole little backstory, this whole little um, um, altercation between the two that actually explains how the fuck this common criminal in the beginning of the movie put his soul into his fucking doll. Which I also have a problem with because, like, <laughs> yeah. he touched the doll with his bloody hands to summon it, and has, somehow that doll still ends up in a box yeah, and gets it's, fucking, and gets sold to somebody. Look, That's I, problematic. The, the original franchise isn't good by any means, either. It's not. It's not my favorite movie, to be honest with you. I, I saw it again recently, just to kind of, you know, catch up with it and see the main see if it, Yeah, see if it plays differently, you know? It doesn't. Um, <laughs> I do like the fact that uh, the cop and the mom have a good dynamic you know what i mean like mm -hmm. the, the mom really is the mom you know she acts like a mother she worries like a mother and there's a lot more emotion in that movie because the kid is younger yeah I mean, yeah when the kid is younger the shit plays out a little bit differently 
because you have um, this young kid who doesn't know much what's going on, and they take him for granted that because he's fucking he's a little kid. Right. It's like a, you know, all little kids make shit up all the time. It's like, oh yeah, of course this little kid is talking to this Chucky doll. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's not real. Um, but then that kind of realism also gets dismissed in this newer movie where this mother is totally not believing this kid. This kid's like, yo, listen, like, this fucking doll you gave me that you mentioned was refurbished, by the way. It's acting weird, and it's doing weird shit. Why don't you believe me? Like, the kid has done nothing in the movie for you to kind of, like, not believe yeah, it works, no you know? kidding. The kid is older. You know, he's he doesn't seem like he's a trouble-causing kid. So, no, you know, exactly. it's really just straight up, like, neglect <laughs> that she's like, no. It's like, it's like, hey, who fucking cares? I'm a Debbie mom. Get the fuck away from me. I yeah. want my cookies and this white trash dude I'm dealing who has another family on the side. Yo, isn't that, didn't that plot go nowhere? That's the other no. thing, too, right? My favorite. Nowhere. My nowhere. Fr- it, it sucks because the movie starts with its best kill. Right, like when it, when the kills finally start happening, the best one is the lawnmower one. You know, even though like the melon patch comes out of nowhere, and but yeah, like, where did that melon patch come from? <laughs> I don't know. And then you know, then you have the side plot where they spend a lot of time devoted to that face on the melon, right, and hiding it. So yep. I, I thought it was going to play a part later, but nope, it was just to get to the the cop to the. The store at the end and handcuff Andy. Yeah, but then that cop also kind of like, there's no police work. Yeah, Yeah, he just shows up to the scenes and then, you know, then the two clues he puts together, it's like, oh shit, you know. (laughs) Dude, like, at least in the first one, you get some interrogation of the kid. Right. You get to see what the kid, oh, his side of the story. They're actually at a precinct interrogating people and, like, looking through files. Here, it's just like, oh, watermelon on the face. Oh, wait, my mom is dead. Like, oh, no, no, it has to be the same fucking kid. Yeah, you know? like, oh, dude, it's so... It's bad, dude. It's, that's what I'm saying. It's just, that's why we're not talking about it. That's why we're just talking about Chucky itself. Like, cause like it's, honestly, like, I gave it a five because I like that... I like the fact that in the last act, um, Chucky uses crazy powers to just kind of raise an army up. Yeah. Just kill all these crazy shoppers in the store. And honestly, that was the best part yeah, of the movie. That's just a fucking drone fly by and just fucking slit throats. That was pretty dope. Yeah, so. it, it, that's that's what sucks, right? Like it gets it, it gets interesting the way too late. <laughs> yeah, dude, it got interesting way too late, and I thought the mom was gonna bite it in that uh, in that one scene in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. The cop comes back after I thought he was fucking dead. Yeah, that's, um, I don't know. There wasn't any satisfying ending or any satisfying turn or anything in this movie. It was just kind of like blah, you yeah. know. Even at the end, like, I honestly forgot what happened at the very end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I, dude, it, I'm drawing a fucking blank. Yeah, you um, know what? Uh, on that note, uh, there's another Killer Doll movie that I think we would rather talk about right now, right? Yes, um, 100% <laughs> agree. Let's leave this fucking buddy doll behind, and let's get to a more sinister, real-life um, <laughs> doll. Annabelle. Annabelle comes home. Animal Part 3. Demonic spirits don't possess things. They possess people. <laughs> Patience. 
sometimes see things. Like how my mom sees things. <laughs> Annabelle comes home. The next chapter in the Conjuring universe. It was surprisingly decent. But I watched the first two Annabelles in the last couple of weeks just to kind of reacclimate myself with that whole universe because mm -hmm. I didn't watch it before because I read the reviews and read it was trash. I actually thought they weren't that bad. They weren't great by any means. They weren't good, but they were watching. And I did watch them for free on cable, so um, <laughs> that also helps out. Hey, man. But um, let's, um, let's give a little bit of a rewind on this Annabelle situation. So we first meet Annabelle in the movie The Conjuring, the infamous movie from James Wan that came out back several years ago to critical success, and it was still one of the best horror movies I've ever seen to date. They introduced the doll Annabelle. In real life, you are aware of Annabelle and the Warrens and Lorraine Warren and their museum. You know that the Annabelle doll is a raggedy angle in real life, which which is even fucking creepier if you think about it. And they actually show that doll in part three in, in a commercial, which is pretty funny. They actually give a nod to the original doll, which is cool. But Annabelle itself is a doll that is used by a demon to gain possession of a person. They go in detail in all the Annabelle movies, believe it or not, that Annabelle is a conduit of evil. The same, and, and they reiterate the fact that demons cannot possess objects. They only possess people. So you, you gain the sense, uh, after watching all these Annabelle movies and Conjuring, that um, this Annabelle doll is being used as a toy by a demon to gain access to other souls, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And in the first Annabelle, the first um, Annabelle movie that came out, it was a little confusing. This is where the continuity issues start coming up in this Conjuring universe. Because Annabelle 3 happens after Conjuring Part 1. That's after the Warrens take Annabelle home. If we go back in time and we go by timeline, Annabelle Creation, which is Part 2, would go ahead of the original Annabelle. Now, stay with me here, folks. It gets a little bit confusing because I was trying to pay attention to the whole universe and its timeline and all the continuity issues that uh, I came across were kind of concerning. So Annabelle Creation, this is where Annabelle technically got created. We jump forward to the first Annabelle, which it, it takes place in the 70s. And this Annabelle, th this is where it gets weird. This is where it gets fucking weird. And this is where I have a lot of continuity issues with this quote-unquote Conjuring universe that they just made up and decided to just throw at you. So in Annabelle 1, there is the way they say Annabelle was created. Pretty much forgetting what Annabelle creation, which is Annabelle 2, sets into play. This couple in the 70s, right? They're pregnant, newly married. Live in the suburbs. They're gonna have a baby. They have the room set up and everything like that. The neighbors, another um, married couple of older age, they tell the story of their daughter Annabelle, who ran away with some hippie cult or something like that, right? Right. Turn, all right. So it turns out that this Annabelle and one of the guys in that hippie cult comes back to murder her parents, which is pretty fucking brutal. And then they go on and uh, they attack the neighbor's house as well and they stab the woman in her belly and beat up the guy and all that stuff so you have that version of annabelle so i'm still a little confused as to which one is which yeah okay because 
Yeah. What? So, so how does this how does this lead into comes home? Like, what what Annabelle do we get in comes home? Okay, the Annabelle you get in comes home is the one from the original Annabelle movie, not the creation one. Okay, so so, so that one is just no longer part of the canon, I guess, right? Yes, like, exactly. Like, it's just like they just retconned it. Like if we're if we're talking like universe terms, you talk Marvel Cinematic Universe type shit, where it's like, oh, they retconned the fact that creation happened. So okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You kind of get that one kind of erased from the timeline, right? Okay. Because the way the actual Annabelle doll was put into play was that that married couple with the baby, right? Mm-hmm. The young uh, married couple, um, the husband had bought this doll for her um, for his wife, which she collects dolls, and that doll was the Annabelle doll that we know now. Okay. So that uh, hippie killer Annabelle neighbor daughter right uh-huh. when she shows up she slits her throat while holding that animal doll so like her soul gets in play oh okay so so it's doll. child's play <laughs> is that what you're telling me <laughs> exactly. so this girl commits suicide holding the animal doll and that doll is forever cursed with that presence with that evil spirit but then it gets weird dude like it, i i need explanations for it gets really weird, and I'm kind of tired of talking about this because I sound like a fucking broken record or just like, yeah. Just, so I, I, I let's. Like, I feel like I'm just rambling on about this, but that's how thrown together this Conjuring universe is. Right. Um, I'm gonna <laughs> talk a little bit more about that Annabelle just to show you how weird that creation is. So, for instance, there's a demon attached. So this Annabelle doll, and you clearly see the physical form of the demon. You see it um, in part three of um, Annabelle Comes Home, and you see it in part one, mm-hmm. right? But then you're like, okay, that's a demon there, but what happened to the soul of this of this woman who cut her throat? You never really kind of get a real answer to that stuff, and it's very confusing. And that's why I have a lot of issues with this Conjuring universe. They don't have any continuity whatsoever. For instance, that video you see of the exorcism in Conjuring. Right in the beginning of Conjuring, they show the Warrens doing an exorcism. And some guy who's possessed, and you see a cross, an upside-down cross, kind of get imprinted on his belly and shit like that. That comes from the nun. Yes, at the end of the nun, they show this guy, I think his name was Pierre or something, this French guy, right? Uh Got possessed by the nun or the demon Valak in the nun movie. Um, throughout the course so then he goes off to his you know french village farm or whatever and he and then he gets possessed because of what happened in that church uh, where the whole nun movie took place and from that you get that exorcism video in the conjuring so watching the conjuring it's totally different <laughs> the guy's name is different the guy looks different of course but the same actions happen you know what i mean it's a very confusing universe that I wish they never threw together. But uh, this leads us all to Annabelle Comes Home, where it takes place mainly in the in the artifacts room of the Warren's house. Right. This room is where they hold all the evil objects that have been possessed, all the artifacts that have been used in any kind of rituals or anything like that. So they take this concept of artifact room and kind of just fucking go with it. They're like, all right, cool. So we have this room here. How can we make a movie out of this? Pretty much. Yeah, it, it's it definitely feels like they've been trying that since uh, I think what was it Conjuring One? We got that first look at the room, right? Yes, we did. We did. And, we did. And, yeah. 
And then, like, even, like, La Llorona. <laughs> yeah, which that priest, that priest, right, uh-huh. who gives her the cross is the priest in the first Annabelle movie. Oh. The oh. Spanish priest, right, with the goatee and uh-huh. shit like that, and the fucked up looking face, right? Uh-huh. Um, he is the original priest from the first Annabelle movie. Oh, jeez. Okay. So that's also the big tie-in that I realized happens within those movies. But, like I was saying, it's it's a big mess. It's a big mess. I kind of wish they kept them all apart, you know? Yeah. Um, because they work better all apart, especially if you're not going to keep the continuity and the timeline straight. It's very confusing. This is why I don't like movies that give you a start. Like, oh, Annabelle. All right, cool. And then they give you Annabelle creation. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want to know about creation if I'm already over here. If you told me this is how it was created originally, but then you make a part two and say, no, 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 wait a minute. This is how it was created originally. You know? Yeah. Like, shit doesn't make sense. It does not add yeah, up. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, don't don't tell me one thing and then say it's another thing. You know? It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's confusing. And, and you'll know it's confusing by the way I'm talking about it, how... I jump from one thing to another because that's how it is. In the right, universe. but uh, in Annabelle comes home, they they bring it all back to the room, and then like the the room monsters are all just kind of random. It, it definitely feels like uh, it's they had a bunch of sticky notes on a board, and yes. we're like, okay, we got to use this one. This one's trash. Let's just throw it in there, you know. <laughs> yes, honestly, it seemed like watching a. Um, uh, like a goosebumps. It was. Yes, Arturo. I was just it gave me that exact same vibe. It was. Yeah. It was that like cabin in the woods. Different. Yeah. It was. It was like, oh, what are they gonna touch? Oh, that's the mutant redneck. <laughs> exactly. And then you were introduced to a couple of things that you actually want to know about. For example, I was super curious about that samurai armor. Yeah. How that samurai armor kind of seemed to be. Good in a way, especially in that scene where um, the daughter followed that dead priest, and then you had that samurai armor kind of guarding that door. Right. Right? And he didn't do anything malicious, or it didn't do anything malicious to uh, Daniela, one of the characters in the movie. Uh, but it just kind of stared, and it, it kind of puts in perspective as to what they have in there. It, it's both good and bad. But, like, if that's the case, listen, like, if you want a conjure universe, have little spinoffs based off of these fucking artifacts. You know what I mean? Well, that's, I think that's where it, they just threw them all in this one. Like, they want spinoffs, but I feel like they already have spinoffs done or, like, in mind. And you know why? that's why these feel their, like the leftovers. Like, this is they definitely... They wasted their spinoff budget on, on Annabelle and fucking and Yorona. Yeah, <laughs> so Yorona, they, Crooked Man, I think they still want to do, like, just from that one, like, or... It wasn't even Conjure, it was like Insidious or something that they still want to do. And, like, that's what I mean. It's stuff like that where you can't do the samurai demon thing because, you know, it, why not? Just throw it in there. Throw the werewolf. You know, throw the feeling yeah, the, the Hellhound Hell right? Or something you, like that? Yeah. The, the, um, what was the other one? The fairy man. The, the fairy man with the coins of the eye. You know, it was um, the wedding dress. Uh, the wedding dress was another one. You know which um, one I like, though? The TV. Yes, the- I was just going to say, you know what? One of the most interesting artifacts we had that they never really got into at all was this TV yeah. that kind of showed your future. 
I dig it. Like I was, uh, I kind of want to. I want to spin off of that TV. Like out of everything in the in that room, like the typewriter. I think the the piano was one. The um, rocking chair was another. Yeah, the rocking chair. Like I think out of all of them, though, that TV was pretty cool. And I think it was cool because um, the 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 girl, like the the young actresses in this movie too. Like it's they were all good, good kid actors again, Arturo. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned that in the last episode we had, um, where these guys are up in the ante in terms of child acting, mm-hmm. um, in terms of um, under eighteen acting. But in this movie, we get uh, the actress McKenna Grace, who plays a uh, Judy, daughter of the Warrens, and she is is great in the movie. I think she's solid, man. Like she is able to portray that awkwardness and those emotions you get when you're a kid who is sensitive to the other stuff just like judy is like she's like her mother where she's of an empath and she can see ghosts and stuff like that and she portrays that very well it was like um, um Haley joel osmond in sixth sense you know mm. they kind of have that weird little vibe to them because they're always seeing something but they don't really want to expose that kind of secret she did a good job in holding that whole movie together because it focused on those three girls. So it was Judy who was being babysat um, because her parents were going away for the night. And then it so happens that the babysitter's best friend, Daniela, shows up. And she seems to have other plans um, yeah. once you get into it. See, I got to admit, I kind of – that's where I, I give this movie a little more credit because I fell yep. for that. Like when she started going through stuff, I was like, oh, this is dumb teenager stuff. But then it's like and she does it because it's like super emotional and vulnerable. And I was like, oh, no. this. Yes, I was like, exactly. this movie tricked me. I was like, I I feel tricked. This is good. Like that was a good decision. You know, yes. I didn't expect that. I agree 100% because even people in the theater that I was watching, they are like, oh – you dumb bitch, what are you doing? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know, it was hilarious. But then, like, as you got into her character and you got to unravel all the layers, you find out that um, she was responsible for the death of her father and her friend's father in a car accident. And she is, she in particular is has her, her eyes set on the Warrens because she knows of what they can do and she knows of this room full of artifacts and she's hoping to channel her dad in that room. This is why she goes through all that effort and all that dumb teenage shit just to kind of see if she can speak to her dad one more time. So that gives her a purpose, which kind of sheds away that dumb mm-hmm. teenage, yeah. you know, um, existence that people thought she was going to have. Like, oh, why are you touching this and opening that? Well, it's because she has a reason for it, and I'm glad they showed us yeah, that. Yeah, because... just some stupid kid. Yeah, she got... Because she got introduced as, like, the slacker friend. You know, like right away, it's that it's that trope of like, oh, it's the girl who parties a little more. You know, it yes. back back to Ma again. Like it's that yep. same thing, but like in Ma too. Like these kids are are written better now, so it's like oh, okay, like she had a, a reason for doing all that stuff, and you know, and the other uh, the babysitter herself had a good little character detail with like the asthma. Like that's. That's yes. that's not yeah. bad way to insert tension into like basically like a a killless movie, you know, like a bloodless movie. That's a good way to like, oh, they can't really touch her, but, you know, she can struggle and stuff and make them, maybe they can reach her. Yeah, exactly. And I think this movie did a good job of just telling a good story. Um, Annabelle comes home. It doesn't hit you hard with big scares, big violence, big gore. They don't have any of that, unfortunately. It's, uh, that's one downfall of the movie because Mm -hmm. you have a rated R already. 
right. steps out of the past, um, kind of go for it, you know? But I totally forgot this movie was rated R until I left here. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought this thing was supposed to be rated R. And I got a PG-13 movie at best. They didn't take advantage of that R rating. I don't know why it was rated R either. Um, I didn't see anything that would have caused them to kind of give them that rating at all, honestly. I'm not sure about you, Nick, but I didn't feel... Yeah, it, it's, you know, I never once got the sense that it was going to be, like, super violent or anything. Like, these movies never are. Right? And, in fact, um, part of the reason I, I pref- like, I thought this one was decent, because it, it's, like, Conjuring 2. You know how Conjuring 2 was, like, more action-y? You know, because yeah. it's, like, war in action. You know, Warren versus the ghost. It's the Warrens versus the ghost. And yeah, here, exactly. here it's the same thing. It's, like, the, the young Warren against the demon. And, you know... And because of that, I never once thought it was going to be, like, super gory or, like... or, And then that's kind of a lost opportunity, too, isn't it, Arturo? Like, um, yeah, if you got a demon, why not do, like, a super bloody demon? Yeah, I mean, like, the demon uh, designs are actually pretty gnarly in these movies. Um, he, like, even the worst of one, like, have pretty good demon designs. And uh, I feel that they don't take full advantage of that stuff. It's, uh, it's a disappointment, but it sucks that it got an R because it... This works as a PG-13 movie, Definitely. and I would have been just as satisfied with it as a PG-13 movie. But because it was R, I totally wanted a little bit more from it. I get it, and, I get it. And I didn't get it. But it was um, it was a well-written movie with a good story, good character-driven kind of story as well. I like the fact that this little girl is well aware of her situation and her family situation. She's well aware of the yeah. fact that... Um, her her parents do this for a living, and and all this shit is real. You get that sense when she puts that crucifix in her book bag in the beginning of the movie. Like, okay, cool. Like, she knows that there's evil out there, and she knows that she can see certain things, and she's not one of these characters like, oh, my parents are just crazy kooks. Or you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like taking that stance, I'm very glad that they took that angle and made her very self aware of her situation and her lineage, and the fact that she is, you know very sensitive to that those kind of situations that that kind of made the character for me um even more so and as we were talking uh the other characters as well get built up pretty well the babysitter um a very kind-hearted uh, person mm-hmm. um a, a very good person like she doesn't want like her friend over because she's so goody two-shoe and stuff like that so you have that character yeah and, and you know what another good little detail is she believes the little girl like there's no yes. like there's no like oh you're yes. you know you're seeing things but when she tells you she's seeing she's seeing ghosts the whole thing is like oh maybe there are some good ghosts you know and yes like that's a good little twist like that's just she takes the situation seriously as yeah well. it's not like she's caught off guard by uh, the crazy shit happening in the house she's well aware like listen these people have this room that has all this evil shit inside it and you're not supposed to go in there and. That also adds to their character and how well they're actually written in the grand scheme of things. Because even her friend, who goes out there um, not like portraying the person who's like this stupid teenager, she herself is aware of all this stuff and believes that the Warren are yeah. actually doing these things, which is great. Yeah. Um, you don't have any stupid like kind of characters that uh, were like are just kind of theirs naysaying everything you know what i mean yeah because even from the the very get-go like in the first conjuring movie 
when uh, Lorraine Warren has this vision of her daughter in the water, and she calls her mother, right? And and her mother is living with them in that house. And her mother, when she gets a phone call, she's well aware of the panic behind Lorraine's voice because it's like, hey, listen, if Lorraine is telling you something, you fucking listen, dude. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So all the characters that are related to her and are connected to that world actually have that common sense, which is fucking great, man. Yeah, because it's one yeah. of those things where it's like, these movies are, are so... You have so many of these movies already. It's good just to just skip all that bullshit and just be like, no, we're taking this seriously. But you see, but, but that's the problem I have with the overall universe. Every other movie attached to it, they lose that fucking sensibility. And they lose that common sense and go back to, oh, no, it's just a fucking doll. And blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. But again, I guess... You can blame it on the timeline and that the Warrens weren't introduced. But, like, if you have this going on already, for instance, in the, in the Annabelle movies, you have a priest, a priest who was also in La Llorona. He is very well aware of evil forces and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, like, that's cool, I guess, but you still have that, you still have the naive characters with the movie that you need, I guess, to make it work. But enough of the universe. Like I said before, it's a very confusing universe. There's a lot of the continuity issues in the universe. Right. Um, but I think this Annabelle actually is a good a good connection to the Conjuring universe because legit that this is like Conjuring three. So it, as I mentioned earlier, it's a year after they actually have Annabelle in their possession. So it's about a year or so um, after what happened. In the original Conjuring movie, yeah. Um, so, so it's yeah. like a it's like a one point five. It basically fits yeah. right in the middle of one. Yeah, and two. exactly. And that's exactly what they needed to do with this universe. They needed to kind of reel in the Warrens back again, because honestly, that's what we got so attached to. Right. It wasn't just like the crazy situation and the scare. It was the Warrens, and I'm so glad that they're back in the movie. They're not in it all the way because they use the daughter as the conduit of being the main Warren in there. So, so you still have a Warren, but they definitely use Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga to to kind of pimp this movie out a little bit to kind of solidify the fact that this movie is actually going to be a little different. It's going to be better than what you're used to. And it was. Um, yeah, and, and it, it was. was. It was. I'm curious as to what they're going to do for Conjuring 3 because I've, I've had I, – I have heard rumor that Conjuring 3 was – in development, but I'm curious what that's going to be now that uh, we got exposed to this world of, of the Warrens in terms of their own home life and stuff like that. But with that being said, man, let's wrap up this Conjuring Universe talk and take a little break. Uh, I hope you guys go out there, watch Annabelle Comes Home. I would definitely avoid the first two. There is no connection <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> oh, well, that's good because I didn't see the first two either. Yeah, so. there's no connection <laughs> whatsoever with it. This is why I was like, fuck it. Let me waste some time and catch up on this whole Conjuring universe. So see, if they call it universe, you know what I mean? Everything uh-huh. has to be a little bit connected, right? Right. No, that's wrong. <laughs> so the first two animal movies, you can pretty much just erase that out of out of existence because in part three they do a good job of explaining what Annabelle is and the powers behind this this doll, which is a conduit of evil, and it's used to its full potential because now they're using this doll as a vehicle to kind of activate this other evil around it. And that leads to other little crazy side stories and adventures throughout the movie. That was very smart of them. So I definitely recommend watching that movie. I just finished up my review. It should be up before this podcast comes out. 
but I think I'm going to go with a 6 out of 10 for this movie, um, only because of the rated R thing. They could have done a little bit more to kind of scare us a little bit more, to give us a little bit more scare, a little bit more dread and yeah, horror. Yeah, it's not um, scary. Just... But, uh, yeah, it's not scary, honestly. We get one good jump, and that's when that music box closes, and then everybody jumps. <laughs> oh, yeah, the the little thing with, like, the mourner's bracelet or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah that got me, too. So, uh... That got me, and, uh, and you know what, though? Honestly, that movie got me the feels at the end, man. It really, um... It, uh, it got me good at the end. I didn't expect to feel the way I did, especially when Lorraine spoke to Daniela about her dad. Yeah. That was very... That was very heartfelt shit, man. It was very PG-13 shit. I definitely hit the feels on that one, hit the heart button and i'm pretty sure you guys will have fun with this one uh so go out and watch annabelle comes home it's a fun movie avoid everything else in the cognitive universe watch annabelle comes home yep here's your problem someone set this thing to evil i love you homer come here you <laughs> Let me I, do the. I know. I was yeah. like, I wish you had me on video. Uh, I know, like five. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then you just sit there like the Garth, like the. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> now, now. <laughs> All right, my fiends. Uh, welcome back to the morgue. In this little uh, ditty, we're gonna talk about. Uh, some cool shit coming out in July. Two movies in particular that I definitely want to talk a little tiny bit of. One coming out on 4th of July week called Midsummer by um, Ari Ass, the director who did um, Hereditary. Very good, very great movie, Hereditary. I'm expecting big things from this. It looks fucking wild. It looks, it has a very Wicker Man kind of vibe to it. A lot of cult shit going on. So I'm very excited to see that next week. Um, I can't wait to write that review for you guys. Um, very excited. I can't even say how many times um, how excited I am because it's just um, every time A24 puts out a movie, I spoke about this last time, I'm, I'm there. My butt is in that seat, <laughs> and this is no different. Um, I'm curious as fuck uh, as to what's going to happen. I have no idea what to expect, but I'm expecting some crazy wild shit, dude. Um, if you've seen Hereditary... And you've seen the ending, you made it all the way there, you know the wild shit that that fucking dude threw on the screen. And that was some wild witch shit, and I can't wait to see what he has for us uh, Midsummer. So I hope uh, that turns out to be the next movie I'm also kind of interested about is Crawl. They've been showing me trailers for this shit for a good minute now. Ever since I think, uh, ever since I've been, um, I think since Hellboy, or even Pet Cemetery, I've been watching the Crawl trailers and, uh, Right before the movies, and I'm I'm super I'm down for it, man. Killer alligator, flooded fucking Florida, wherever it is, and you got nowhere else to go because there's a fucking alligator. They're trying to eat you or a crocodile, where the fuck it is. But it looks cool. It's produced by Sam Raimi. It's directed by Alexander Aha. I'm, hope, I'm hoping I pronounced that correctly. Um, that's what it looks like on the screen. It's Aha. But the crawl movie, Tex, what do you think about that crawl movie? I mean, I don't know. Uh, to be completely honest, like I've, I've seen the one trailer, and I'm kind of like, eh, I'll, I'll wait to see what you say. <laughs> but you know what, though? You know what? They've been very smart, because they've only been showing us that one trailer. Right. They haven't exposed anything else, which could be bad. It could be good. But it is produced by Sam Raimi. Yeah. But we all that, know that that's not, yeah, that's not a mean, stab of approval. It doesn't mean um, much anymore. 
Yeah, it doesn't. I'm just hoping it's decent, man. I'm, I'm hoping it's better than fucking Godzilla. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. We're dwelling down in terms of the movies for the summer. Um, the big ones were, you know, the Child's Play one we spoke about and Annabelle. So, that came and went. Uh, now, we have these two coming up. Right. And, and uh, honestly, it's just all kind of filler until we get to chapter two in September. Right. There's not much else that I'm looking very forward to um, besides um, in chapter two. And I keep, I, I'm waiting for a new trailer for in chapter two. The one they showed us was cool. It was cool. But I need to see a little bit more right. violence in the next trailer they show us. I think they're saving that up for like probably August or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, they don't have to show us anything else. You know, Arturo, we have been getting good trailers, though. Uh, let's let's talk about Doctor Sleep, right? Like that that came out, and what do you what are you thinking of that, Arturo? At first, honestly, I had no fucking clue what it was. <laughs> um, honestly, I didn't. I didn't. I yeah, mean, I, I'm a horror guy, but like, I'm not gonna go in depth as you know, you know, reading every little thing out there, but. Um, uh, some fiends of mine um, on the Courtney Facebook page, they actually gave me some insight. It is a direct sequel to The Shining, Ooh. which uh, which got me super intrigued about it. Um, because as you saw in the trailer, they show you some things from The Shining, but you don't know who's who, who's what. But um, uh, Ewan McGregor, Mr. Obi-Wan himself, Mr. Obi-Wan himself plays um, Danny Torrance, which was the kid, the red rum kid from the original Shining. And he obviously is still having that shitting effect Right. You, know? the, you uh, have the shitting. Do you, do you want to get uh, sued? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's still having those visions. He's still experiencing some crazy shit. I mean, obviously, the, the stuff that happened at, at that hotel, you can't really forget about it. And right. it has traumatized him from his very young age. Um, I'm curious to find out what happened to his mother because she was a big part of that. Oh, that's, that's a good point. Like, right? Yeah. Because they don't show anything about his mother. They show all these other weird characters that I'm curious about as well, but I'm curious to see if they touch on the mother. Yeah, because, like, it, I don't know, it seems like it's, like, they, they mentioned, like, powers and stuff. Like, I was like, is it turning, what did you write, Stephen King? Is this a comic book? <laughs> yeah, I hope it's not, like, a glass thing, um, or, like, an M. Night Shyamalan kind of thing. I, Shining was a good movie. Don't get me wrong, it was, it was a very good movie. It was Kubrick. This is very fucking long. It was a long movie. And if you've seen it more than once, then God bless you. Because, you yeah. know, that means you're a fan. I I remember watching it in parts because it was so long. Because also on TV, they actually gave it in two parts because it was so fucking long. And a lot of it is very boring, dude. A lot of it is very, very um, atmospheric, very setting-based. Very, they use, uh, Kubrick used the ambiance a lot to kind of set the tone it's not until like the third act of that movie where you get all the crazy shit that happens. But until then, you get a lot of boring shit. And honestly, like, it, it, it's a good movie, but I'm not going to sit here and just kind of praise The Shining for what it is. Right. Um, because, you know, it's a little fucking boring, to be honest with you. Uh, and like I said, like, it's, it's only when Jack Nicholson goes fucking rogue that you get, you know, some gems and shit out there. But I know you feel the same way, Nick, about The Shining as I do. It's like, oh, it's yeah, very long, very boring. Like, it, it's know? one of those movies where it's like everyone tells you, oh, you know, it, it, I feel like it, we're supposed to like it, you know, just because, you know, we like movies. And it's like, oh, if you like movies, you're bound to like this one. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. 
Like it's, it, I I understand it. Like I I get why it's such a big deal. But for me, I'm just like, yeah, like one and done. You know? <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. Um, I I felt the same way. That's why this Doctor Sleep thing. It looks cool, but for me, I'm just you know, I'm I'm the same way. I have that same like detachment where I'm like, I'll probably see it because you know, um, I'm not a big Stephen King guy either. I, I, I was know. just gonna say, I'm yeah. like. Listen, I'm going to get fucking impaled for this shit. <laughs> if you guys are um, but like, Stephen King is cool, but you know, uh, I've seen better stuff. Yeah, you know, like I mean, you know, I'm not saying he's terrible. He's a great writer. He's giving us the shiny. He's giving us Pet Cemetery, Silver Bullet, um, Thinner, which was also pretty cool. Thinner is a um, good idea, man. Yeah, like, yeah, Thinner was a good idea. Um, what else has yeah, Misery. Cujo, oh, the, mist, right? uh, the Running Man was that? That was Stephen King too, right? Or uh, that was Stephen King. That was his best shit, dude. Running Man was great. Yeah, <laughs> he he did one of those like uh, he he was a short story that turned into one of those like post apocalyptic movies. That's super cool. So I think was it, it Running Man. I, I think Philip it's K. Dick was Running Man. Oh no, Philip K. Dick was um was uh, a Total Recall. Yeah, but yeah, like Stephen King is cool, man. He, We've gotten some cool movies out of it. Um, some uh, it was very it, it was more prominent in the eighties when we got Silver Bullet and Pet Cemetery and stuff like that. Um, those iconic horror films that honestly people call them iconic, but if you rewatch them now, they're not that great. But they're good. They're not great. Pet Cemetery, for example, I honestly preferred the new iteration. Again, I'm gonna get impaled for this stuff. But this is what I, <laughs> But, but this is why I'm here. You yeah, know what I mean? You, like, can't, I you can't lie. Like, no. For what? Like, uh, Stephen King is cool, but I feel that his shit is kind of, uh, is kind of dated. And it doesn't, it doesn't call to my, my horror side. As you said as well, like, I've watched the classics just to say that I've watched them, you know? Right. But I'm never gonna be like, oh my god, I'm gonna put on Pet Cemetery. Unless it's like Halloween or like October or some shit, you're not gonna see me. Yeah, that. like he's done, he's done stuff like like, or he wrote. That's the other thing too. Like all these books, like I'll come out and say this, where you know I'm more in, like I'm more familiar with the movies than I am with the books. You know, yeah, and same here. And when Honestly, you when here. you look into the books of something like it, where you realize how much messed up stuff is in there because he he was writing like while he's fueled on all that coke, but like you know the movies the movies are good for a reason you know because yep. they strip out a lot of the bullshit and especially you know, in it there's a, there's a lot of fucked up shit. There's in a it lot of fucked up shit. You that, know that didn't make the cut in four, luckily. Yeah. Um, because then it would have been very problematic, especially um, you know, if you guys aren't aware, there is in the book it the one he wrote, the girl supposedly to kind of take away the innocence because yep. because because Pennywise feeds on innocence supposedly right book, right so to take away the innocence she pretty much you know loses her virginity and she helps to kind of take the virginity of all the boys so yep. she sleeps with all her friends pretty much and in the book. From what I've I've heard, they go into that stuff. Yeah, it, it gets super. It, it's super weird. And yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Like I'm more familiar with the movies that his stuff is based on. So you know, like all credit to him for coming up with this stuff, of course. But I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh yeah, stupid kid, you know. So I'm 
like you're saying, Arturo, like Dr. Sleep, we'll see it. You know, we'll see it. We'll cover it from like the, I mean, I'm not going to read the book, so I'll say that straight out. Like I shouldn't have to. I'm not reading it. Dude, I'm not reading the fucking book. All right. I'm I'm seeing it. A, because Obi-Wan's in it. I'm a fan of Ewan McGregor. I haven't seen him in a movie in a long time, so I'm curious as to what his acting chops are up to these days. I thought he was going to be Obi-Wan for some reason in one of these new fucking Star Wars movies, but I guess he's not. I guess he's been working at Doctor Sleep. And, uh, you know, I'm going to watch it just because it's it's another horror movie on the the list. And and Mike Flanagan is directing. So, uh, and at this point, Mike Flanagan has done so much to where I'm like, he, he's earned blind faith. Like he's earned my, my butt in the seat, you know, as you put it. Yeah. Like, like, honestly, like I'm watching Dr. Sleep more for Mike Flanagan than Stephen King. Yeah. I mean, cause Mike Flanagan has proved to us in the past that, um, he can make a solid fucking horror movie. Um, ever since I saw the movie Oculus. Oculus was underrated. I'm not sure, uh, Nick, if you've seen Oculus. Yeah, Oculus. yeah, it's the one with, like, the mirror, right? Yes, Oculus yeah. is very dope. Um, it's a very dope movie. Um, and then he went on to direct Hush, which Hush is, is... was, like, a Netflix movie. That was very good. It's still on there. After Hush, he did, um, shit, um, I think it was Ouija 2. Yeah. Um, and then after Ouija 2, he blew up in the horror scene. And I believe he got, like, a, I think, maybe a deal with Netflix or something, because... He's been banging out, like, The yeah. House on Haunted Hill. Yep. Um, oh, I'm sorry, The Haunting Haunting Hill of Hill House. House. Yeah. Yes. House of Haunted Hill is a bit surprising. <laughs> yeah, like, he, movie, but it's, you know, he, he's got that kind of track record where, you Gerald's know, Game as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure one of these is going to disappoint eventually, because, you know, no director is perfect, but, like, he he's earned that, just that blind trust in me, where I'm like, yeah, okay. What, I'm hoping it's not Doctor Sleep. I'm hoping it doesn't happen with this movie. Um, this being this being a Stephen King vehicle, it, it comes from a Stephen King source material. But I know Mike Flanagan has had his hands in writing the script for a lot of his movies. But I'm hoping he has the same kind of carte blanche with this movie. But if this is if he has one failure in him. Honestly, it could be this one because of the budget, because of whose name is attached to it, because it's a shining sequel. There is a lot of, of forces um, working against him on this movie, and I hope he can overcome it. Honestly, because he's he's pretty fucking awesome, and he's done very good work, and he's one of the few directors, as we just said, that he has my trust. Um, if his name is on it, I'm going to sit down to watch it. It's like a Christopher Nolan movie, for example. A Christopher Nolan movie, you're like, oh shit, Christopher Nolan did this one? I think I'm going to have to take a peep at this, you know? Right. Um, it was like back in the day with Wes Craven, even no matter how shitty the movie is. Yeah. Talking to, yeah. Like, Wes so, Craven. What was that one that was fucking trash? Uh, um, that's, I mean, look, that's just, woof. Because <laughs> he it did. Was after, it was after the Scream series. Yeah, it was right? way after. It was the last, like, last weird one he did, like, with the, the kids and the village or no it wasn't like a village it was like kids in like a in like a small town and then there's like this forest thing and then it, you know it's this thing that follows uh, look ooh, let's just not <laughs> yeah you know what I mean? like it happens you know yeah and like flanagan might be our current generation of that where it's like i'll go see it no matter what he puts out you know? oh uh was it my soul to take right yeah 
Yeah, yeah there we that go. That was trash. That was fucking garbage. <laughs> um, but then again, that was, I think that was the last movie he directed, honestly. Yeah, I, that was the last one before his, I think, before his passing. Yeah, yeah 2010. Yeah. 2010, everything else came before that. But yeah, so I'm just hoping this movie isn't the one that Mike Flanagan kind of fails because of, um, as we've spoken in the past, in the last episode, like, with um, Doherty from Trick or Treat with Godzilla. You yeah. Know, you got this bigger budget, you got uh, less control of the final edit, and it, it won't, it usually doesn't work out the way a lot of these smaller directors can handle and stuff, so... I'm hoping with Mike Flanagan, it's a little bit different, being that he's he's had all this experience working with Netflix, working on a, on the haunting of, uh, on Hill House, which is a series, but it was based more. It was a series, but played out more like a, a long movie. So uh, I'm hoping he uses all this experience and stuff like that to kind of you know get him out there and get his name out there. Um, I was really disappointed that he wasn't attached to the Halloween remake because um, originally he was going to be. Right. But I'm kind of glad. How, I'm glad how that turned out, so I'm not totally disappointed. Yeah, but, it, it's yeah. it's one of those things where you know he he's doing an adaptation, and anything could happen. But you know, I'm I'm rooting for him. We're both we both are. Like I, you know, I don't want him to fail. Like you said, no way. So, I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's an exciting trailer anyway. You know, like, I don't know what's going on, but it's Mike Flanagan, so okay. Yeah, yeah. the trailer looks fucking out there, honestly. Yeah, um, that's what I was like. It's all superpowers, and I, look, Stephen King stuff. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's very M. Night. Yeah, it's very glass. You're, it's very glass. Yeah, M. So that's why yeah. I'm a little worried about it, because it can be, um, it can probably think it's, too highbrow, you know? Right. Um, and it, it'll probably not translate well, right. you know? Uh. So uh, I'm hoping that's not the case. But as we do, Corpse Feeding here in the morgue, we'd like to uh, leave and exit with a nice little recommendation. This week, I'm recommending the original Conjuring. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's, that's a surprise, Arturo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Big surprise there. But it's the one that started this all. Um, it still holds true. I just watched it the other day, and it is still fucking scary, dude. James Wan uh, did a great fucking job with this movie, and it's been hard to replicate. They definitely took advantage of the hard R that they got on that and went all out, man. This, like, I just think everything worked well in terms of that movie. The story, the kind of, um, uh, because it, Obviously, it's based off the Warrens kind of cases, and everything is is taken as like um, based on true events kind of things. So the one they picked for this original one was a fucking scary one, where they had this witch um, or a woman accused of witchcraft and hung in front of her house, um, goes after pretty much anybody who's on her land, and um, she makes mothers kind of you know kill their fucking kids and the movie does great with the acting all the little kids in the movie do a good job in playing their fucking parts it's an overall good movie and if you haven't seen the conjuring i highly recommend it watch it with the lights off because it's probably one of the scariest things you'll see in terms of hollywood i i don't think i've seen a scarier movie since the conjuring nothing really comes to mind honestly yeah um 
how about you, Nick? Uh, you seen anything cool this week, man? No, um, <laughs> just I. What I saw was child's play and and Phil comes home. <laughs> yeah, so I guess you haven't seen anything good this week. Then. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, um, also, uh, another recommendation is a new Baroness album. Um, I've been following them ever since 2006, 2007, and, uh, it's been a crazy, you know, decade with that band. And this, this album took me a little bit to get used to. It's not as guitar driven as their previous efforts, but, you know, if you're in the right state of mind and you got some good set of speakers, um, you will have fun with this record. You just got to be patient with it. So yeah, that's my music recommendation for uh, for this uh, episode. And uh, I have one last recommendation. Uh, if you actually want to see some cool toys in theaters, um, go watch Toy Story Four. I know it's not horror, <laughs> um, but I'm a father, <laughs> and I'm uh, I'm in my thirties. You know, so I've been with the Toy Story movies this whole time. And uh, it's just a breath of fresh air that they were able to kind of keep that movie very fresh and very new. They introduced a bunch of characters, a bunch of side characters, too, that are just absolutely fucking fun and fantastic. The kids will love it. If you are looking for a toy story in the theater, uh, don't watch Chucky. Don't waste your time with that shit. You can go watch Annabelle, but I highly recommend A Toy Story 4. Um, Pixar and Disney, yeah, it's a sequel, and, and they keep getting bashed about the originality of their movies and so and so. But Toy Story Four, man, if you haven't seen it, that's a fucking good one. Highly recommend that one. <laughs> and uh, and with that non horror recommendation, uh, we're gonna end this horror movie podcast because that's how we fucking do it, man. We won't fucking bullshit you. We'll give you the truth. We'll tell you that Chucky sucks. We'll tell you Stephen King sucks. We'll tell you, the, we'll, we'll tell you The Shining isn't really that great. You might not like it. Nah, that's how I feel about it. We're, we're each entitled to our own opinions, and uh, and that's my opinion about things. I hope you guys uh, had fun with us this evening. We'll, we'll see you soon. And uh, with me once again is my trusty fucking producer, Nick Valdez of ComicBook.com. All right, bye everybody. Uh, please, <laughs> please follow us on uh, on Corpse Feed. Keep up with Corpse Feed. Keep up with Corpse Feed. Uh, and follow me on Instagram and on Facebook. That's where I'm most active. I just started getting back into my Twitter game. That's at Corpse Feed Blog on Twitter. Um, I share a lot of random music shit on Twitter because I just feel that's the easiest thing to do. I share my thoughts and everything else like that everywhere else. So on Twitter, I'm just putting out different music I listen to at night random songs here and there so you get a nice little playlist of, uh, of metal variety of fucking heavy music out there so check that out check out the SoundCloud uh, check out the iTunes podcast which will be up soon and just have fun with horror man enjoy yourselves guys it's a scary world out there but uh, we're here to take you through it you will beware you're in for a scare